Welcome to the AJHP podcast series. The American Journal of Health System Pharmacy is the official journal of the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, an association of pharmacists committed to helping patients make the best use of medications. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org. This is William Zelmer, a contributing editor of the American Journal of Health System Pharmacy. The focus of this interview is the report of the ASHB Task Force on Accountable Care Organizations, which is available as an early release article on AJHP's website. Accountable Care Organizations, or ACOs, are groups of healthcare providers, such as physicians, hospitals, and health systems, who are jointly held responsible for improving the quality of care and reducing costs or the rate of growth in costs across the healthcare continuum, including the ambulatory care, inpatient, and long-term care settings. The concept is particularly important because the Affordable Care Act, which was uh, enacted in March 2010, authorized the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services to contract with ACOs to provide healthcare to Medicare beneficiaries under a shared savings program that began in January 2012. I'm speaking with Dr. James Stevenson, who was chair of the task force. Dr. Stevenson is chief pharmacy officer at the University of Michigan Health System in Ann Arbor, and also with Dr. David Whitmer, who is senior vice president and chief operating officer at ASHP. David, I'd like to begin with you. Would you please comment on why ASHP created the task force? Sure, Bill. I think the the primary reason is that with all of the efforts around healthcare reform and the emerging uh, efforts in both value-based purchasing and pioneer ACOs, we believed we needed to assume a leadership role in helping our members to prepare for implementation of these models regardless of where they go. Also, there were some probably implications for our practice model initiative in terms of where the practice model will need to adapt to integrate ACO uh, models into that practice model. Yeah. Well, that's a very good point, and we'll come back to that. Jim, uh, if you don't mind, could you comment a bit on um, the makeup of the task force and the extent to which members of the task force had firsthand experience with ACOs? Sure. It was a task force that was uh, comprised primarily of practitioner members from organizations that uh, were involved in an ACO or or ACO demonstration project. But we also had some uh, members representing the, the board and staff of ASHP, as well as a guest from the CMS Innovation Center. So we had several different perspectives, but it was primarily made up of practitioners. Mm-hmm. And at least some of those practitioners had firsthand experience with an accountable care organization then? Yes, all of them did in one way or another. Um, each of the organizations has different versions of ACOs and how they've approached it, and that was one of the benefits of the task force is we were able to share with each other uh, different approaches that were being taken at, at various organizations. Well, to help give uh, listeners a sense of how important the ACO concept is and the impact it might have on health system pharmacy, can you say, are there any reliable estimates of how many hospitals or health systems, say, over the next five years are going to be part of an ACO? David, maybe you would start with that. 
Well, the only estimate I've, I've seen in writing on this comes from an article in Health Affairs in July. The article cited that CMS was estimating uh, generating savings of $940 million, uh, assuming 270 ACOs signed up to participate. Uh, and I'll leave Jim to, to talk to what that experience has been like in the practice. Yeah, Bill, I think that's a difficult question to answer. Um, I know from talking to many of my colleagues, it sounds like a large number of organizations are still standing on the sidelines waiting to see how the ACO structure develops and deciding whether or not to uh, enter into this because there is there is financial risk for the organization. So I think they're being cautious. I would talk about maybe a parallel might be our experience that I've seen with the patient-centered medical home programs in uh, in my state of Michigan. And I can tell you that uh, initially there was a relatively small number of uh, participants in the patient-centered medical home of Michigan uh, program. And as it became clearer and more people began to understand how the program worked, uh, we saw a doubling in the participation in the second year. So I would suspect that that's the same phenomenon that we'll see with ACOs. Mm-hmm. Well, the report uh, discusses the important cultural changes in healthcare delivery organizations that are necessary for an ACO model to succeed. Uh, Jim, could you comment on what are the related implications for pharmacists in terms of cultural changes uh, in acute care settings? Yeah, I think one of the primary cultural changes that we are going to have to face to be successful in this model will be to actually uh, start breaking down some of these self-imposed barriers, if you will, or, or divisions between care, where we talk about inpatient pharmacist versus outpatient pharmacist. Uh, to be successful in this model, we're going to really have to focus much more on transitions of care. And really, that type of care needs to be delivered in both the inpatient and the outpatient setting, and there has to be a very smooth handoff. So I think culturally, some of our organizational structure and the way we think about our positions as being inpatient and outpatient um, are going to be things that we're going to have to change to be successful. Jim, do you have any comments, again, along the same theme of cultural changes related to community pharmacy practice? Uh, Yeah, I think along the same vein, uh, community pharmacists are going to have to also find ways of reaching out and connecting to sort of receive patients from our acute care settings in a much more coordinated way than we've traditionally done. The report discusses the challenges and opportunities that ACOs pose for health system pharmacists, and I'd like each of you to pick one challenge, just one, or opportunity that you think is particularly important and discuss it briefly for our listeners. David, uh, let's start with you on this. Well, I I think in some ways I would highlight uh, what I think is both a challenge and an opportunity, and that's really to think about our role and refocus our role as a provider of patient care rather than a provider of drug therapy and really focus on what's in the best interest of creating outcomes for the patient across the continuum of care. It's really rethinking, as as Jim has said earlier, how we provide care, not just in the inpatient setting, but how we ensure positive outcomes for the patient across the continuum. Jim, how would you answer that one? Well, I agree with David that that's a a major priority and opportunity for us. Another one I would raise that I think the task force spent a, a fair amount of time discussing was the realities of trying to most effectively use our pharmacist resources in this type of a model. 
what I mean by that is we really need to develop some tools that will help us target those patients who will most benefit from various types of interactions with pharmacists and make sure that uh, based on that type of a tool that we're able to utilize our resources most effectively to produce the best population outcomes. Earlier in our conversation, there was reference to practice model change as articulated by ASHP. Question for both of you, starting with you, David, what is the relationship, if any, between practice model change and the changes that pharmacists need to make to contribute to the success of ACOs? Well, uh, Bill, I think there's a very strong relationship between practice model change and the ACO model because it really changes the, the relationship of the pharmacist to the patient across the continuum of care, as well as the relationship among providers in providing care in a coordinated fashion. So as we think about the role of pharmacist, it really reinforces many of the things that the practice model has been driving towards around pharmacists as providers of patient care. And I think it provides great opportunities for us to continue to evolve and move the practice model forward. Mm-hmm. Jim? Yeah, maybe I'd go a little bit beyond that and build on what David said. I think that many of us, when we think about our practice model change initiatives right now, are focusing on changes within our health system. And I think with ACOs, that's going to stretch us even further. And we're going to have to start thinking about how we extend care to patients beyond the traditional borders of our own health system to include care that might be provided by other physician organizations or other healthcare organizations, as well as in community pharmacies by community pharmacists. So those are going to present some new challenges that we'll have to face in our practice model that are uh, associated with how we can effectively share information that's needed to care for these patients along the continuum and how we will work together to coordinate care. David, beyond the the work of the task force, what additional things will ASHP be doing to help prepare health system pharmacists for the ACO movement? Well, I think the major areas, Bill, will focus on first assessing and prioritizing some of the ideas and concepts that the task force has provided us with. And I'd say some of the maybe three major areas where uh, we will place a lot of emphasis will obviously be on education because there's a great deal of of information to be shared among our members of of what are their experiences in ACOs and what are we learning and what are best practices. Secondly, around advocacy in terms of making sure that we articulate the role of the pharmacist uh, within the ACO model and the value of pharmacy services. And thirdly, developing tools and resources to help our members and assist our members in implementing effective pharmacy programs within an ACO model. Well, uh, Jim Stevenson, David Whitmer, thank you very much for taking time to discuss this extremely important report from ASHP that is available on AJHV's website now. Uh, It's been a good discussion. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. That concludes this podcast. For more information, please visit www.ajhp.org.